Hello and welcome to another edition of Design Future Live from AIGA, the Professional Association for Design. My name is Lishan Huang, Director of Design Content and Learning here at AIGA. And in this edition of Design Future Live, we have special guest Bayat Kasper Baudenbacher. He is, in his own words, quote, obsessed with searching for magic in the mundane while vigorously defending the creative process against all forces of evil, unquote. Bayat is the chief creative officer of Loyal Casper and the author of the new book, Somewhere Yes, The Search for Belonging in a World Shaped by Branding. Bayad is known for designing the brand identities for media properties, including Peacock, Paramount Plus, MTV, ESPN, Comedy Central, and many more. And in his book, he talks about the tools of branding which bring people together, have been weaponized by our culture around ideals and causes that put us on a dystopian trajectory, while the same tools also help us to find recovery and belonging. The book has an interesting format that mixes text with graphics and images. Unfortunately, due to a technical error, we lost the first few seconds of the original live stream. So we're going to jump straight into the interview with Bayat answering my first question about the format of the book. Uh, the book um, sort of looks and feels the way it does. It's, I didn't really want it to be another how-to branding book because there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of those out there. Um, and I didn't really think I could contribute much, you know, much new thinking to that. So, um, it really is about uh, looking at branding in a much larger context. And there's very little, uh, that sort of, you know, has to do with the how-to of, of branding and, and, um, you know, the sort of specific ways of doing it. Right. So that's really interesting what you were alluding to with working with the speaking coach, doing the public speaking about this, and then going from, I guess, the talks to the book. Could you tell us a little bit more about the process of doing that? Because I feel like for a lot of people, like writing does seem kind of scary or kind of intimidating. Um, and I mean, so is public speaking, right? But to be able to have a message and then work it in different media. I'm really curious about that process for you, how that works creatively. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I've all, writing has always been, um, something that I really uh, gravitate towards to. And I, and I like, I like doing it. Um, and then, you know, just by the nature of, of, um, being a graphic designer, you work with words and typography all the time. So both from like, a um, from a visual perspective, but also from a content perspective, um, words and writing have, have always been really um, important to me. So in that sense, I've kind of done it for a long time, not, you know, not in a context of a book, really, but more in a context of, you know, a presentation that you give, for example, um, like I write all of those um, basic, you know, pretty meticulously, I, I write them out. Um, so in that sense, it's kind of the same thing, except it's, you know, um, 376 pages versus, uh, you know, a hundred slides or whatnot. So, um, that, so in, in that sense, you know, I've been kind of used to it. It's just obviously that, you know, the amount of content is, is much larger, um, than for a presentation. Um, and then, you know, the way I, quote unquote, write is, is sort of like I write and then I design and then 
um, sometimes an image comes first and then sometimes the words come after. So it really is sort of a back and forth between, um, you know, shaping the visual narrative um, as well as, the, you know, the content of it. And um, in that sense, it's sort of a circular a circular process it kind of goes back and forth and in that way is is you know that feels natural to me and um I, I can't speak for how other writers um do it um but that it works for me that way right yeah i'm particularly interested in this like designerly approach and now that i know that it started out as something that you were already giving talks about and you had slides to illustrate that like looking at the book i'll I guess I can flip through some pages just so folks get an idea, but it's very much um, reminded me of Marshall McLuhan's The Medium is the Massage um, in that we have a lot of graphics, like there's more text on some pages, but graphics and things on other pages. So even though it is a, a thick book, it is very much feels like a very quick, accessible read that's very graphic in that sense. So um, yeah, I'd love to learn more about that you know, I, I guess we have a little bit of the genealogy of how this came to be because it came from talks, yeah. but like as a designer yourself, like what is this designerly approach versus just doing things in, in prose and like a quote unquote traditional business book kind of way? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Marshall McLuhan and mostly um, in the sense that I just really gravitate. I, I, I love books that that sort of play in the same, you know, sandbox with visuals and typography, um, uh, sort of merging and, and creating a, a very distinct narrative. Um, I also love books that um, that just sort of sit on my table, on my desk, and I keep going back to. And Marshall McLuhan's books are, you know, that for me. Um, I feel like they're they're so. First of all, they're visually beautiful, um, but then also they're so dense content-wise that I feel like you can kind of keep going back to them. Um, another book I really love is Peter Mendelssohn's um, What We See When We Read, which is also very kind of similar in that sense. Um, so, you know, I, I've had kind of, not not a roadmap, but like, you know, other books <laughs> um, in, in that sort of space that I, that I really like. In terms of... Um, you know, how I try to specifically structure this is, um, you know, I didn't want this to be a textbook. I didn't want it to be a dissertation. I'm not a scholar of branding. Right. I mean, I'm an expert in branding, but I'm not a scholar in like right. all, sort of all the other um, topics that I, you know, that, that sort of touch branding. So I didn't want it to be a, a dissertation that didn't feel true to me. So in that sense, I really wanted to not it's not a it's not a sketchy book but it's like you know it touches a lot of different topics um sort of on on a surface surface level and kind of tries to connect those i also wanted to um you know find a way to um almost create different different levels of um how you might interact with it meaning um you know you can just kind of read the headlines if you want to and then they sort of connect and give you a really rough outline of what the story is then you can go a little bit deeper you can read you know 
pet paragraphs. You can look at the images. And then the last thing, so the fourth level is kind of the small type on the bottom, which is kind of my color commentary. So right. in that sense, I really wanted to create kind of different levels of engagement. Um, again, for different purposes. I hope people, you know, do the same as I do with some of these books They keep picking them up and kind of flipping through them and reading a few pages and then putting it back down. So um, that's kind of how I approached it. And um, from the pe some of the people I've talked to, it's been somewhat successful, I think. Yeah, I feel like that's just such a smart approach, especially in this day and age of like most of the stuff I read online is articles on the internet, right? Or most of the stuff I read in general is articles on the internet. Um, right. And I obviously read a lot of books too, so I could do these live streams with authors like you, but there is something about just acknowledging that our attention span is different at different times and being able to play with hierarchy and allow people to engage with the material in different ways or maybe multiple times as well through what you were talking about. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. And, and again, I mean, it, it's not it's not meant to it's not necessarily meant to mimic, you know, the sort of how um, our attention span is in 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 real life. But it definitely does feel like, as you mentioned, right? We have different attention spans for different at different times and and for different purposes, right? When we when we scroll social media, it's you know pretty short. When we read a New Yorker article, it's a little bit longer. Um, so um, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, that is interesting is sort of playing with the different, the different um, levels of attention we're able to sort of give at different times is, is, is a really interesting way to look at it for sure. Right. So you mentioned that this isn't necessarily a textbook or a how-to on branding. Who did you imagine as your reader when you were writing this, or who was this aimed at? Um, that's a really interesting question. I think I've, um, in my sort of original proposal, I think I outlined sort of three different um target audiences, if you will, to use like a branding term. Um, but yeah, the, the first ring was sort of, you know, people in the creative industry, um, you know, people in uh, marketing departments, promotional departments for you know, various um, brands. The second ring I thought would be, um, would be interesting would be, you know, people going into this field. So, you know, students, um, again, in the creative industries. And the third ring I thought was kind of general interest um, because I've, one of the things I tried to do is sort of demystify branding a little bit because to me, and I realized that um, maybe uh, um, kind of unique that way, but I, I look at a lot of um, the world we live in and messaging and communication through the lens of branding. So kind of demystify it and, um, and sort of, um, showcase that we're, I feel like we're, we're all using tools of branding, you know, but like every day by the sort of decisions we make and what we post on social media, what we don't, uh, you know, um, how we dress, what we read. Um, so, in that sense, a general audience is, is really um, 
interesting to me, and I think it could be really interesting. Um, what's you know on that note is is some of the readers that I actually um, asked to sort of you know pre-read early drafts and even uh, um, early copies of the book were actually people who had actually nothing to do with design or, or creativity at all because um, that's kind of the most interesting. Um, target audience for me, you know, people who really um, don't think about this stuff um, all day long. Um, and it just might be a different way of looking at the world. So in that sense, um, that's the most interesting audience to me. You know, designers, marketers, brander, branders will probably find fault with some of my definitions or some of my, um, <laughs> you know, some of my thoughts. So, um, yeah. I would hope that it finds an audience kind of outside the creative space. That would be super interesting to me. Yeah, I would love to dig more into the subtitle part of the book, The Search for Belonging in a World Shaped by Branding. And you address this through the lens of current events and politics as well. And if I understand the arguments correctly, branding is both part of the problem in terms of politicians and other folks who are you know, building movements or mobilizing people use branding to sow division, right? About us and them and about you know, creating this kind of polarization. But branding also has the power to bring people together in these different ways. And so you play with that tension and you, you realize the sort of double-edged sword with uh, the double-edged sword of branding. So could you talk more about that and maybe sort of arguments that you're making there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, <clears throat> I, I think you 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 know you hit the nail on the head. It, it, in my view, branding creates allies as well as adversaries, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's um, you know the strongest brands um, you know create a, an emotional connection with um, you know human beings and among human beings. So you know whether that's um, Right, Re religious, um, you know, um, religious um, groups that find you know meaning in life um, through the shared use of symbols and beliefs and stories. Um, you know, that's an extremely powerful um, form of branding. You know, at the same time, what that can lead to and has led to over the centuries is an us versus them. Um, you know, mentality. And, you know, if it leads to, well, our way of looking at the world is the right way, and we need to go to war <laughs> against people who don't have the same beliefs, then, um, you know, right there, it, it shows both the incredible potential to bring humans together, but the, also the destructive potential to, um, you know, feel superior to another, you know, another set of humans who 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 might think differently, and I think the same is true in, in politics today, right? So, um, so those are, I feel like the kind of most most extreme examples, um, if you will, um, you know, religion and um, and politics, um, you know, and uh, at the same time, you know, in in commerce, we have the, you know, we have a similar. Um, 
you know, similar dynamic. It, it usually doesn't lead to violence or wars, um, <laughs> but, you know, it can definitely lead to, you know, people finding common purpose and common sense in, um, you know, certain brands that they um, buy and believe in and um, follow. So um, it, it kind of spans the gamut, I think. Um, but it really, I think it, that's exactly it. it. It's allies and adversaries. And, you know, in many ways, um, you know, one's, one's extremely, both are extremely powerful. One you could say is, is great. The other one is, you know, maybe not so. Right. Let me do a quick reset to welcome people who might have joined the live stream a little bit uh, in the middle of things. My name is Li Shan Huang from AIGA. I am live with Bayat Baudenbacher, who is the author of this book, Somewhere Yes, which is which is out today. Today's the release date. And the subtitle of the book is The Search for Belonging in a World Shaped by branding. So we've been talking about uh, some of the political aspects of branding and how it's both the cause of division, creating these allies and adversaries, but it's also a way to bring people together. Uh, I think one key quote, I think that helps us understand this too from the book is branding is not the answer, it is the key. So I feel like there's something there that's both saying that branding is very important, but there's also a humility to it of like, you know, it's not the thing. There's all sorts of other things related to this. Um, and then just as a quick design thing, I really loved the like pre-dog-eared uh, designs here where it was in there. When I first saw that, it was like, oh, I really wanted to save this, but like it's already been kind of like saved for me of like, oh, this is something to come back to. So um, yeah, I'd love for you to respond to that. Branding is not the answer, it is the key. Well, to, the, the dog ears, if I if if I may first, um, the idea there was because I've I've been um, there was a sort of a back and forth with, with my editor, um, a wonderful editor at Greenleaf Books, um, but she was challenging me to sort of um, you know have more clear and distinct takeaways, mm -hmm. um, so it feels a little less of, of me kind of wrestling with, with these big. Uh, big ideas and not really having takeaways. So I do have a few, I think there's nine in the end. Um, but the dog ears was one of my ways to kind of signal that this is a takeaway. And then I extended that to a few other pages that I thought were, um, you know, at least in my mind, a bit more interesting uh, or more important. Um, and then the other thing to, to that um, effect, I really wanted the, um, this book to not feel precious, yeah. which is, um, you know, why it's kind of printed on fairly cheap sort of newspaper print and, you know, there are scribbles in it and, you know, it's all white in the hopes that it will get scoffed up. Um, so the idea really being that um, I wanted the, the, the reader to almost feel like they're coming into a, an ongoing conversation that's already happening and they're kind of contributing um, to it, as opposed to, you know, just basically find, you know, finding a, a, a finished product, because I'm still wrestling with, you know, some of the um, ideas in there, and, and I'll keep wrestling with some of them for, for a while. In terms of your specific, um, your specific um, question about uh, branding is not the answer, it's, it, it's a key. So, um, obviously, you know, while I feel like branding is extremely powerful, obviously I don't 
believe that branding is going to fix all the problems that we face today. That's just, um, you know, that would be a tall order. Um, but what I do, um, what I mean by the key metaphor is um, branding can help shape ideas um, and make them, you know, articulate them um, and sort of metaphorically make them strong enough to kind of, um, you know, to have longevity. So the metaphor for me there is that, um, you know, branding being the key, branding can open doors to, um, you know, uh, certain certain aspects or certain problems that, um, you know, might need addressing, whether it's, um, you know, one example for is is climate change right so in in my the, the way i see this is that even even just the language that we use for certain things mm -hmm. like you know it used to be global warming right which sounded nice and balmy and then it changed right. to climate change and more recently i have noticed that people really are talking about climate crisis or you know the climate catastrophe if you will so you know if we can brand um you know ideas or challenges a certain way that can sort of unlock the door for us to actually deal with it right because if we keep talking about global warming that doesn't carry the same urgency as climate crisis right so we really need this thing to be branded properly with the urgency that we need so we can open that door and start addressing it and start looking at how we might fix it if that makes any sense. Right. And especially with that climate example, it starts with language in a way. And obviously yeah. there's things you build around the language in terms of how you tell the story or any visuals. But I think that's such a clear example of global warming to climate change to climate crisis and then all of the associated things around that, but with language as this through line. Yeah. I was, I've, I've actually been thinking uh, with um, some people at work, we've actually thought about this for a, a little bit now. It would be pretty amazing if, even if, you know, on top of using, you know, the right language to brand an issue properly, mm -hmm. if there was a visual way you could do that too. Like if you had like a, a mark or a symbol for a climate crisis, right? That even if, if you, when you typed or when you wrote about it, you know, visually it would actually, um, you know, jump out at you. And I don't know how you do that because you would have to like import it in keyboards and all that stuff. So that's really challenging. But point being, um, yeah, it, any ways that we can, you know, um, can articulate, um, you know, ideas and thoughts and challenges. Um, more precisely, I think it's helpful for us to deal with um, some of these challenges. I'd love to acknowledge some folks on the live stream. I'm looking in the chat and we have folks joining us from Houston, Texas, uh, all the way down in Chile. We have Atlanta, Georgia in the house and somebody from Switzerland as well. Oh, wow. uh, so, all right. Yeah, hello. Uh, hello, hello. <laughs> so on, on that point, uh, you're originally from Switzerland. You're an immigrant uh, in New York City. I'd love to he hear about that experience for you because you explore belonging a lot. And, um, you know, hearing a bit about your story in some ways, it's like you've come to a new country or you've been uh, in the U.S. for a while now. But in some ways, um, 
you didn't necessarily feel like um, the country you were born into um, was where you belonged the most. So I, I'd love to hear a little bit about that and how that kind of ties into this story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let, let me try to um, do this without a, um, without speaking ill of my of my mother country <laughs> um I, I i love switzerland um absolutely and i, I love uh, having grown up there but uh, an interest something was interesting and i don't know if i had noticed it when i was there at the time or whether i have just noticed it later in life kind of reflecting on on my, you know, my upbringing, but um, I've never quite felt comfortable in in the um, the German Swiss German language, um, and I can't I can't tell you why I can't put my finger on it. Um, but it's something that has just it's sort of like an undercurrent in, in my life. And uh, so when I um, came to the U.S. first as an exchange student, um, I. I English felt much, much closer um, to my heart, and felt felt I felt better, you mm -hmm. know, in, in the language um, than I had growing up in Switzerland. And then, you know, the next transition came for me when I, you know, found graphic design, um, where I felt even more at home than. Um, than in English, right? So I have I feel like there's these kind of three levels of um, you know, uh, human expression that I've right. kind of gone through. Um, and I have sort of different um, comfort levels, you know, in, in those. Um, and then the last thing I will say is, you know, and um, is, you know, I have struggled with, with my name, um, you know, for, for a long time, especially after coming to, um, you know, to America, because nobody can, nobody knows how to pronounce it. Uh, properly, so that that's another thing that I feel like has led me to um, become obsessed with clarity and you know uh, clear communication and be um, you know um, yeah transparent and um, because I've always that's always been a struggle for me um, as well. So it's sort of a I would say all those things have gotten me to where I am now, which is a Swiss graphic designer living in New York, um, you know, and, you know, still loving graphic design um, as much as I did when I started. Yeah. I just wanted to highlight that. That's such an interesting way that you talked about, you know, going from Swiss German to English to graphic design as like finding the language that you're most comfortable in. I thought that was yeah. a really interesting point you made there. Yeah, I mean that's and and frankly that's you know something that's only occurred to me sort of quite recently, actually thinking and talking about um, the book, you know, um, as as it's gotten ready to be published, um, and it's something that's crystallized in my mind. Um, I'm not really sure what I do with that information, but it's <laughs> definitely um, it's helped me kind of, you know see my journey in a different light, which is super interesting. Maybe that's the nugget for another book after you're done yeah, I mean, with this knows? launch of promotion. Absolutely. <laughs> 
So I'd love to give you, Bayat, the final word here. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with our audience today? And then you can also take us out with uh, where they can find the book and you online. Um, oh, final thoughts. I mean, um, you know, one of the things, um, as I said earlier, um, this book kind of, this project that turned into a book grew out of my uh, sort of dislike for public speaking. Um, and again, just to show kind of how sort of ironic our journeys can sometimes be is I do a lot more public speaking now um, <laughs> about it. But what I like most about it is having conversations, you know, with people like you, and I've done a few podcasts now. Um, and I've come to really enjoy these conversations because they help me look at the book and my work and almost my life through kind of a different lens. It's really interesting to kind of have that, you know, sort of a, a different perspective and see what people take from the book and how they react to it. Um, because it is absolutely clear in my mind that this is not, um, this is probably the middle of the journey and not, this is not like a finished product. You know, this is a, it's a, it's an ongoing process. Um, that, yeah, who knows might lead to, um, another book who knows. Um, so anyways, I've really, that's a long winded way of saying thank you so much for having me. I really have come to like these conversations very much and I like what they, you know, how they help me understand my work um, and this project in particular. And in terms of where you can get it, uh, you can get it on um, Amazon if you, um, you know, if that's the easiest way for you to get it. You can get it at Barnes & Noble. Um, you can get it on, on um, an independent bookstore um, that I, hold on, I can tell you exactly where. <laughs> um on indiebound um you can get it there so please support independent bookstores if you can if that works for you and uh yeah it's available today and uh there's only only 19 left right now so um get your copy before they're on they should get more though but yeah. Awesome. Well, Bea, thank you so much for talking to me today and with our live audience. And if you're watching the recording, thank you for watching or listening along as well. Hope you'll also check out Somewhere Yes uh, online or from your local indie bookstore. So I'm Lee Sean. I'll see you next time in our next live stream. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Lee Sean. Thanks, everybody. Take care. <laughs>